Good morning, everyone. Again. Let's pray again. How about that? Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this church. We thank you for everything you've done in our lives, God. We thank you for salvation through your Son. And Lord, I uh, ask that you would open our ears to hear your word, God. And uh, we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So today's sermon is about a lot of things, but it's about why we do what we do here on Sunday morning and about the Christian life. We're here today to, ultimately we're here today to worship God. Throughout today's sermon, we will be hearing a lot about how God requires us to worship, but it's important to remember that we love God because He first loved us. And we're here today to worship God and to look to Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have um, a lot of scripture we're going to be sharing with you today, (laughs) and uh, so yeah, it's going to be good. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. We're kind of going to lay the foundation of the sermon first. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What a weight off our shoulders that we don't have to fear being found guilty on the day of the Lord, because Jesus is going to sustain us to the end. He's going to sustain us to the very end of the Lord's day when he comes back and judges the world. And I have some uh, notes here from John MacArthur. I like John MacArthur. And uh, some of his notes on verse 9, he said, Because of God's sovereign and unchangeable promise, believers are assured of this grace, past, present, and future, and will remain saved, assured of future glory at Christ's appearing. This call, as always, in the epistles of the New Testament refers to an effectual call that saves. God who calls to salvation and heaven will be faithful to give the grace needed to fulfill that call. So, I've also heard it said before that what God requires, He provides. And that's awesome. He provides that in Christ and His Son. Um, That's the whole point of sharing this verse is As we look deeper into the call of the Christian life, we need to always look back and remember that ultimately it's God who gives us the strength to live for Him, and ultimately we're supposed to look to Christ for that strength. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. So that's kind of a groundwork before we dive deeper. Um, And I want to start with a question about the truth. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? That's a question that's being questioned in the world today, Um, but it's not a question being debated among Christians. 
It is in a sense, but it shouldn't be, is the point I'm trying to make. That's the whole point of the Christian faith. We do believe in absolute truth. We do believe in such a thing as the Word of God. It's, it's, it's real. There is a true Word of God that is ultimate above everything else. And we believe that as Christians, and um, I believe that personally. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't believe in an absolute truth. If there wasn't a foundation that was that strong, which ultimately comes from God, I, I can't imagine having a faith built on anything less, really, than absolute truth. So we believe in that, and we believe the Scriptures teach that. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So we see here that Scripture is breathed out by God. And if it's breathed out by God, it can't be anything less than, than absolutely true. I mean, it comes from God. So it's amazing. And it says that, it, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So we believe that the Word of God is sufficient. It's sufficient for the Christian life, and it's sufficient for the church. And the Bible is where we go as Christians to see how God requires us to live and how he requires us to worship. And another cool thing is the church itself, ultimately, it was invented by God. Like, we didn't invent this. I think we all know that, but it's, it's good to remind, you know, it's a good reminder. Like, when we look in the scriptures, we see that God ordained it. God's the one who calls his people together to worship him. You see that in the Old and the New Testament. And so, you know, a group of guys didn't just get together and say this would be a good idea, which, so that just... It gives it all the more weight, you know, of glory, of God's glory. So even the church was invented by God. Matthew 16, verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus, you know, is telling Peter on this rock, I'll build my church. But ultimately, Jesus is also telling Peter that he will build his church. Jesus will build his church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So God builds his church and he's sovereign over his church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against the work that God is doing. <laughs> Which is awesome. <sighs> Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church. This is talking about Christ. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So once again, Jesus is the head of the church, and nothing's going to stop the work of Christ, period. So that's a good foundation. <laughs> now we're going to come to our largest uh, scripture passage of the day. So I, if you want to turn there, um, it's going to be 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 16. 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 16. If you put these things, this is Paul writing a letter to, letter to Timothy, and he says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. 
have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, but rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by the prophecy, by prophecy when the uh, council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So that's a lot said, and we're going we're gonna to highlight some of it. So in the beginning, he tells him, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. I love how he says good doctrine. There is such a thing as good doctrine, and there is such a thing as bad doctrine. And so it's the church's responsibility to teach sound doctrine. But I think it's also, you know, a responsibility of the Christian to, to, you know, read your own Bible. That way you know if the truth is being taught. Because that's how a lot of people end up in dangerous places is because they don't really know the truth enough themselves and then they could be led by a dangerous shepherd, really. You know, the Bible talks about false shepherds and false teachers. And so... This is just encouraging to me that we, we should be looking to see the truth ourselves, to find the truth ourselves, and encourage one another in that. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, but rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness holds godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is probably my favorite part of this whole passage. I just think it's incredible that He's talking about how godliness has like promise for the life to come. I'm like, dude, that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, ultimately, eternity is, is everything. I mean, the Bible talks about how this life's a vapor. It's short. The Christians should be looking ahead. We should be looking to Christ because, you know, what we do in this life, we only have one opportunity to, you know, serve Christ and to give Him everything. And it really is going to affect all of eternity. And I believe Scripture supports that. He said godliness has value as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. Now, I just think that's so profound. I think it's so powerful. And, you know, I said that today's sermon was about, you know, the church. And so I believe that ties into, like, what we do here on Sunday morning. Like, like I, I care about godliness. And that's one reason why I'm here today is because I want to become more godly. Not that I'll become God, okay? We don't believe that, but it's more tied into, I believe, sanctification. Like throughout our Christian life, as Zach clearly explained this morning, you know, we never get there fully, but God's continually making us more like Him. I think that's awesome. So, <sighs> until I come, devote yourself, this is verse uh, 13, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and to exhortation and to teaching. And each week we gather to hear the word of God publicly proclaimed, uh, to be taught. 
And at the end, in verse 16, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching and persist in this, for by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Man, and I think we already talked about that, just keeping a close watch on what's being taught, keeping a close watch on what even we're letting be taught to us, you know. Um, I'm a big YouTube guy. It's easy to, I like to hop on YouTube and see like sermons, uh, preachers, and so like once again, it, it's good that we're keeping a close watch on what's being taught and a close watch on what the truth, you know, the truth, so we can rightly divide it. And so, so far, I'll go just back over some of the things we've highlighted, that to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture, uh, to follow sound doctrine, and we should be in our word so we can rightly divide the truth and see the truth. And godliness has promised not only in this life, but in the life to come. So we're going to move on now to Acts 2.42. And it's a short verse, but it just says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. You know, we see that they fellowshiped, they broke bread, they prayed together. Another reason for us to do the same. Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up, how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that day drawing near, we know, is the return of the Lord. (laughs) Obviously, we are closer now than we've ever been to that day. So all the more, let's meet together. And I love how it says the confession of our hope. It just makes me think of how each week we make a confession. Each week in our liturgy, we have these confessions where we say outwardly what we believe about God. And it's encouraging it's encouraging for me each week to come here and hear my brothers and sisters in the Lord confessing with me the truths that we believe in God and the truths that we believe about Christ. And it's cool because by us actually doing that, it helps us understand what we do believe, you know? We're not hiding what we believe about God. So I, I think it just creates great opportunity for the truth to be talked about, for the truth to be preached and heard, um, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. I think today is another way how we do that. By us like gathering together as the church, like it it encourages me to see once again like my brothers and sisters singing the songs to God and not neglecting to meet, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Lots of scripture references. You don't have to turn all of them. I can give you them at the end if you want to dive deeper into them, but um, 2 Timothy 4.1, 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, once again, the second letter to Timothy, telling him to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Once again, that's something that we do here each week. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. I hope that we're seeing, you know, all these scriptures and hearing like a lot of the things we do here today, like each week, like they're in the scriptures, you know. We're not just making this stuff up. (laughs) Oh, man. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Okay, so far we've seen how the scriptures clearly tell us to meet together, to listen to sound doctrines, stir one another up to love and good works. And um, I briefly want to talk about the sacraments, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, because, you know, we're talking about the Lord's Day and we're talking about the church. For me, in the tradition that I grew up in, they just they they saw the sacraments a lot differently, and for us the way that we see the sacraments, it's just been so encouraging for me and my faith each week to come here, and to partake in the Lord's Supper and to 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 truly see like it's like a physical gospel in your hand. It's hard to explain because it's so it's so profound. I mean, really, and God invented that too. The Lord invented that. We hear each week when Kendall does it on the night of institution. It's awesome. And he talks about the blood and the, the cup and, and the bread. And it's just been so encouraging to me each week. You know, our, our liturgy is just, it's got gospel all throughout it. And then again, at the end, we get to come to the Lord's table to see Christ and the gospel. I don't even know how to say it because it's so hard to, like I said, it's such a profound thing. But I've been so blessed in my relationship with the Lord to come here each week and to get to do that with my brothers and sisters. And man, it's, we're not doing it this week, so you can look forward to it next week and think about, think about what it was like to miss out on that today because it, it really is profound. And I was talking to Kendall this week about just the, the sermon and we were talking about it. And I was talking to him too, but like, man, it's so cool like just talking about the sacraments because baptism's another one, but we haven't exactly seen that yet in this church because we, you know, we're young, but it's just going to be awesome when we see someone baptized up here. Like, not that it's about them, but once again, it's going to be the gospel. We're going to see that person go under the water and, you know, they're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it should remind us of what God's done in us. Like, so awesome. Like the sacraments point to Christ. They point to God. And that's encouraging. And, you know, I just think it ties so well into the church and the Lord's Day and what we do here and why we do it. And I'm just looking forward to that. I was telling Kendall, like, I can't wait till we get to see someone baptized. It's just going to be exciting. Ultimately, just to look to Christ again. I can't, I have to have share, I have to share one Stephen Lawson quote. Stephen Lawson's one of my favorite preachers. He does such a good job of proclaiming the truth. Um, and I think this ties in well with today. He says that it's the truth that drives our worship, and it's theology that produces doxology, and it's doctrine that produces devotion. So the truth, when you're truly gathering around the truth, not someone's made-up story, the Word of God, when you gather around the Word of God, it, it, it gives you right worship to God. That's where he's going with this quote. I and mean, the first time I heard it, it like blew my mind. I was like, wow, it was so deep. And theology produces doxology. So what we believe about God, our theology, once again, is going to affect how we worship God. 
because we want to worship Him rightly, and especially according to the Scriptures. And doctrine produces devotion, man. Like, that's... Because we all want to be more devoted to God. You know, we all want to be more faithful believers and more faithful Christians in our life. And one way to do that is by, you know, being around sound doctrine and by looking to the Scriptures for that truth because we believe it's in the Scriptures. And this brings us to our, to our closing today. Something, another thing Stephen Lawson says that gets me every time. He says, so what? So what? Like you made a statement, so what? what what's, what's the application? What's the so what of what we've heard today? There's many applications, but we'll highlight some of them. I, I mean, ultimately, the biggest one would just be to worship God. I mean, how can we get around that? Worship God. That's our application as we gather and look at the church and look at the scriptures. We want to worship God, and we're commanded to worship God. We should be thankful that we're a part of God's local church. I mean, this is amazing. Praise God that He saved us and called us to a local church, you know. God is gracious to us. The church is God's, and we're called to worship Him. I think, you know, spending, reminding like ourselves to try to spend time with the Lord, I think is a good application for what we've heard today, like trying to find time throughout the week to spend time with God. And, you know, I feel like I also have to talk about just We've spent so much time talking today about the church and about just the Lord's day and just remembering that, you know, this is what, this is what, an hour and a half of our Christian life each week? I mean, like the whole rest of the week is just as important for the Christian to look to Christ, to live for God, you know, to obey the word when no one's watching. And so I hope that we see how today Yes, it's all about Christ and it's 100% about worshiping God, but today also it should encourage us in a sense also to be, as we go out into our workplaces, to, to think about God there because you know, we worship God every day. We worship God in what we do and we want our whole life to be for God. So I feel like that's a great application for today also is, is thinking ahead and just remembering each week, you know, to worship God where we're at and to serve Him and to love Him and, you know, to look forward to, to this gathering when maybe you have hard times in the week and remember, you know, you'll get to be with your brothers and sisters on the Lord's Day. So, and I'd like to close just right back where we started. So, 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. It's just a great passage and I'll read it again. And it's talking about how ultimately Christ is going to take us all the way to the end and he's gonna find us guiltless on the Lord's day because we've believed in him. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And amen and amen.